You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today, we have a special guest missionary with us. Let's prepare our hearts as our guest missionary brings forth God's truths from His Word today. Well, it's been a good day and certainly grateful for the goodness of the Lord. I want to tonight, just for a few moments uh, before I preach, I want to tell you a little bit about our ministry and what God has done and how God is developing that ministry. So this is not part of the message, although I'm looking at the time and I have plenty of time, and so I'm grateful that we, that we have this time together that we'll share. Take your Bibles just for a moment and go to Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. If you travel to the most southern end of the state of Florida, you come to the city of Miami, and then past Miami, if you stay on the Florida Turnpike, which is the only way to get to where we're at, if you stay on the Florida Turnpike, it ends in Homestead, Florida. And then from Homestead, Florida, you get on US-1, and you make the 18-mile trip out to the islands of the Florida Keys, and that's where they begin. From Homestead, Florida, which is the last city on the mainland, to mile marker 5, <laughs> which is where our church is, is 125 miles. Most of that is one lane, and the speed limit is about 45 miles an hour. So it takes you, once you leave the mainland of Florida, it takes you about two and a half hours to get out to Stock Island, where we live, and then the final island, Key West. On the island, on Stock Island, of course, is our ministry, our church. And um, it's different than it is in Michigan. <laughs> um, you say, what's one difference, Pastor? Well, that's easy. There is no Walmart. Um, so in order to go to a Walmart, our nearest Walmart is back on the mainland, two and a half hours. And so there is, on Key West, a small Kmart, there's a small Home Depot, uh, there are some grocery stores, um, and different things like that. Uh, but the cost of living there is very expensive. Um, what you would buy as far as, um, I guess the best way to describe it to you, is, is if you were to go to Walmart and buy chicken breast, uh, what you would pay $9 for in Key West, we get about half of that amount. And so the cost of living is very, very high there, very transient area. Um, of course, the major industry there, of course, is, is tourism. 900,000 people almost get off the uh, cruise ships at the port of Key West every year. And um, it is a mission field culture. And there are 
On our island, there are uh, mostly Haitians um, from the country of Haiti and mostly uh, Cubans. And down in our part, we, they're, they're called Cubans, not Cubans, Cubans, right? And uh, so that is mostly what is on our island. Now, the Lord hasn't allowed us to start a Spanish work there yet. We've had some people come down. We've had some Spanish ministries come down. I think if it would be the Lord's will, uh, that that would be the logical next step for us because there's so many Spanish-speaking people that are there. As a matter of fact, more people speak Spanish than probably speak English down there. We're 90 miles from the country of Cuba. As I said this morning, 135 miles from the city of Miami. It is an island culture. Um, it, uh, there's a lot of drugs. Um, there's, uh, there's a lot of, of petty crime, and there's a lot of, um, uh, there's a lot of major crime from, from time to time. I will tell you this, not that you would be concerned, and I'm not saying this so that you would be concerned, uh, but I'm just kind of giving you a, uh, uh, just kind of want to paint the picture here. Our family has had threats on our lives over the years, um, and uh, we've, had, we've had to have uh, police officers outside the church uh, just because of our stand on this King James Bible and what this King James Bible says. And so uh, we, we have had to put uh, some security measures in place, as most churches do now, um, just because we're preaching the truth. Amen? And uh, so we're certainly grateful for that and all that, and all that God is doing the church was started in 1960, and as I said this morning, pastored by Morse Wright, who went to heaven um, back in about 2009, and I'm the second pastor of the church. So as we began, as I took that church, as we began to witness on the island, to get the gospel to the island, um, I began to think in my mind, we're going to get the gospel to these people quickly. There's got to be something that we can do outside the boundaries of this island. Because if we don't, my people, the people that I pastor, are, uh, they're, they're going to lose interest. And that's, that's the way that we are. We lose interest in things quickly. I was praying one day and I was asking the Lord, how do we, um, how do we, um, how do we keep this thing in front of us? Does that make sense? Of, of reaching the lost. A missionary, a missionary contacted me, I think it was a national pastor, not a missionary. National pastor contacted me one day, and he said, uh, Pastor, we need some help. And I said, what kind of help do you need? And he said, well, we just, we need some stuff. I want you to pray that God would supply the need to meet, uh, to meet the needs that we have. I said to him, I said, well, why don't you tell me what you need? And he began to tell me some of the things that he, that he needed. One of the first things that was said was this. My daughter needs a new pair of shoes. Now, for you and I, my daughter needs a new pair of shoes. I get in the truck and go to the store and buy her a pair of shoes. 
And this national pastor could not do that. He could not afford shoes for his daughter. My heart was very burdened, and I went to, I went to our church, and I stood in the pulpit of our church. And I shared that story with our people. And I said that this little girl needs a pair of shoes. And if I was to present that tonight to you and say to you who would buy the little girl a pair of shoes, probably everybody's hand in this building would go up. Right? And so I did that, and hands went up. What I was trying to do, Pastor, is I was trying, I was trying to get our people to see that there were 4,000 4, people on Stock Island. There's 20,000 people on Key West. But there's a lot of other people that need to be reached with the gospel. And buy-in is them taking what they have and, and believing that God is going to use that. Does that make sense? Another national pastor said, well, um, we need, we need bedsheets. We need a shower curtain. And I was riding my bicycle one day because I, back in those days, I rode my bicycle a lot. I was riding along the seawall on the Atlantic Ocean. And the Lord spoke to my heart. And he said, reaching our Caribbean rock. And as that ministry began to develop, you're in Acts 11, verse 29. The Bible says, Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea. So that's what we begin to do. As time progressed, the ministry of Operation Rock began to grow. And Operation Rock is a, I am a, I am a local church man, I am a local church pastor, I am, I am strong local church, and so Operation Rock is a ministry that falls underneath Key West Baptist Temple. As that ministry began to grow, the request became larger. So now it wasn't, it wasn't uh, tennis shoes or, or shower curtains. Now it was, it was PA equipment. Now it's, uh, now it's speakers. Now it's... Uh, um, um, chairs for our church and as the ministry began to develop and as the ministry began to grow the needs became greater we just sent two thousand dollars worth of chairs and we have another shipment to go to this church on the island of antigua chairs just like this his chairs are pictured back there in our album that we have and they were just rusty green you couldn't almost sit in them and he said, Pastor, can, can you help us with some chairs? So here's what we do, our ministry. We purchase the, the things that the national pastor needs, that the missionary needs. Now, when we first started the ministry, we, uh, we used to go around the state of Florida in a truck and trailer and collect things. And churches are so giving, and I'm so grateful for that. But as we got into the electronic era where these pastors needed computers and printers it was difficult for us to be able to go to a church and pick up a printer 
and it work right and me know how to operate it and, sent to, and, and to have a clear conscience sending it out to one of those Caribbean islands. Does that make sense? So as a result of that, as the needs got greater, we began to purchase things brand new. And the Lord continued to meet the needs. So when a national pastor or missionary calls us and they say, or contacts our ministry and they say, We're, we, um, uh, we need a new computer for our school, such was the case in Haiti this year, in the northern part of Haiti. We didn't go and get a refurbished computer. Our ministry went out and bought a brand new computer, still in the box, and sent it to him. The PA equipment that we send is brand new PA equipment that comes into our facilities, into our church, and then it goes right back out, still in the box. And we've done that with printers, computers, anything electronic, and anything now that, that comes in or that a national pastor or missionary needs is bought brand new from our, from our ministry and then sent back out. So what we do is we pay for the product, we pay for the shipping cost of the product, and then once it gets in country, we negotiate with the national pastor helping us. We negotiate with their ministry of customs so that our ministry pays the duty tax. So that missionary or that national pastor has absolutely no cost. It's free. And that's what Operation Rock does. You say, Pastor, why? I'm trying to help them reach their people. As the ministry has grown, we have now begun to plant churches. A couple years ago, we helped plant a church in the northern mountains of Haiti. Our church has, and our ministry has, has bought a 52-foot diameter tent, uh, and we filled a cargo trailer with a church plant. Everything in the cargo trailer is there, and it is a complete church plant. There's chairs, there's PA equipment, a generator, a tent, a keyboard, um, everything that someone would need in the Caribbean to start a work. We shipped that this year. It's on the island of St. Vincent. Next week, when I, I'll return home this, this, at the end of this week, preach in my church and then fly out to St. Vincent, and we'll open that conference there under that tent for the first time. That tent will then go to another island, and there'll be another church planted there, or if a pastor wants to use that, for a tent meeting for, for, for two weeks or three weeks, then he can use that, uh, that tent for that tent meeting. That is the ministry of Operation Rock. So now we're church planning, we're helping to supply the needs. Uh, we've done leadership uh, conferences and leadership meetings. We've done tent meetings. We've done vacation Bible schools. We've hosted trips. We've done several trips with groups uh, to some of these islands and uh, introduced them to some of the pastors there, and they've done vacation Bible schools. Uh, and, and the Lord, church supplies, personal supplies, God has opened up this ministry. And the reason that this ministry is there is just to be a help, to help that national pastor and to help that missionary reach those people that God has called them to reach. We have a display in the back. I encourage you to go to that display, uh, pick up a prayer card, Make sure that you pray for us. Um, there, uh, there are some pictures back there, a video, and Ben made mention it was the first video that, uh, that he had made in this manner, and, and that's back there. Um, there are uh, 
if you're so inclined, there's t-shirts back there that say Operation Rock. They're $12 a piece. And uh, so go back there, look through the pictures. There's different types of money depending on where you're at in the Caribbean. There's different types of money. And uh, I'll explain that uh, maybe tomorrow to some of the, some of the, uh, the, high, uh, the, the children in the chapel. And uh, so we, we covet your prayers. God has opened this door. And we're certainly grateful for that. Amen. I want you to take your Bibles tonight, just for a few minutes, and uh, we'll start in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And while you're turning there to the book of Hebrews chapter 11, <clears throat> let's take a test. <laughs> Do you like tests? <laughs> I never did. I hated tests. Matter of fact, I still hate tests. My daughter was asking me some of those, uh, you know, those trick questions, like if, you know, three people do something, then how many people, blah, 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 and I failed every question. I just don't like tests. Um, so we'll take a test. From this morning, I said this, that God enables us to give in three ways. One way, help me church. Time. God gives us time, doesn't He? God enables us to give in three ways. One is time. The second one is our talents, the abilities that God has given to us. And the third, God enables us to give in three ways. What's the third one? Our treasure. Isn't it wonderful that the God, that, that the God of this universe, who has created everything, would take a little me and a little you, and actually allow us to serve Him. That's wonderful. Sometimes I go outside and I look up at the stars and I think, what is man? What is man that thou art mindful of him? We're nothing. And it's only by the grace of God that God enables us to, to use our time and our talent and our treasure, not for any honor and glory of ours, but for His honor and glory. Amen. Hebrews chapter number 11. I think that God has to prepare our hearts for certain things. I think that's biblical. I think that God prepares our hearts... <clears throat> for times like these and services like these. I think that God prepares our heart to serve Him. I think that God uses the circumstances of life to mold us. And sometimes that makes us uncomfortable. Tonight I want us to see how God prepared a person to be used by him. This is a missions conference. And it's important for us to understand that God has a plan for all of our lives. If you're up in age, <laughs> you say, Pastor, what does that mean? I don't know. I'll leave that open. If you're up in age, God still has a purpose for your life. 
I'm grateful for that. If you're a young person sitting in this room, and my wife commented today about how many young people, boys and girls, there were here. It's wonderful. Training the next generation. Amen. Preparing the next generation. If you're a young person in this room tonight, may I say to you that you have your whole life ahead of you. If you're a, if you're a, a little boy or a little girl, a teenager, a young adult in your 20s, God has a purpose and a plan for your life. I don't know what God's purpose and plan is for your life other than the Word of God because the Word of God is the will of God. I know what God wants me to do and I'm doing it and I'm loving it. But God has a purpose and a plan for all of our lives regardless if you're in your 80s or 70s or if you're five or six years old. There's one common denominator, and that's what I want to preach on tonight. It's this subject, on the subject of surrender. We talked about the heart this morning, how important it was to be a cheerful giver, right? And that, that giving is a large spectrum of things. But if God's going to do anything in our life, we must be surrendered. Now that's a hard thing for us to do. But we must do that because before God can work through us, God must work in us. So I want you to look at the verse, then we'll go to another passage. Hebrews 11, look in verse number 21. By faith Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. And I want to preach tonight for the next few minutes on this, leaning on the top of his staff. Now, Father, may we be surrendered to you. In every area of our life, I pray that you would help us to get this truth. We must be surrendered in order to be used like you want to use us. And tonight I ask you, Father, to give me clearness of thinking. There's much that I would like to say. But Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you would direct me tonight. Give me your power. I need thine anointing. Use tonight the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God to challenge our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Hebrews chapter 11 is, of course, the great hall of faith chapter. There are many names that are listed there. There are names that are listed there that sometimes we read those names and we may scratch our head. There are many facts. 
many acts about this matter of faith. When we come down to verse number 21, we, we, uh, we see this name Jacob. Now we know that it was from his sons came the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. And we know this, that God wanted to bless Jacob's life. But let me tell you a little bit about Jacob's life. And you can take your Bibles and turn to the book of Genesis for just a moment. And we'll spend some time there in the book of Genesis. So if you'll take your Bibles and go to Genesis chapter number 32, we'll end up there in just a moment. Jacob, of course, was born to Isaac and Rebekah. Jacob was, of course, born along with his twin brother Esau. And according to Genesis chapter 25, the Bible teaches us that the twins struggled with in their mother in chapter 25 and verse 22. The Bible teaches us that. The question was asked why, and of course, the Lord replies, because inside your womb there are, there are, there are two nations. At birth, Esau came first. The Bible teaches us that he was red and hairy. I don't know about the red, but I sure could take the hairy. Amen. <laughs> Then the Bible says that Jacob was born. And when Jacob was born, the Bible teaches us in Genesis chapter number 25 and verse number 26 that when Jacob was born, he, he grabbed the heel of his brother, hence his name, the heel catcher, the supplanter, or one that trips you up to describe stay with me to describe jacob in his early years would be to describe him as one that was deceitful a cheat conniver <laughs> and yet god wanted to do something in his life We know that he stole, according to Genesis chapter 25, verses 27 through 34, he stole his brother, brother's birthright. According to Genesis chapter 27 and verse number 36, he also stole the blessing. We know that, according to the Bible. When that took place, his mother, Rebekah, told him to leave for a few days because Esau was mad and Esau was going to kill him. And so he did what most deceivers do when they're found out. He ran. <laughs> and he ended up in Laban's house. And it was there in Laban's house that uh, he met Leah and Rachel, and you know the story there. But over time, what took place was that what happened in Laban's house had kind of gone sour in some ways, and Jacob was on the run again. And there came a time in Jacob's life where God said, return. And when we pick up the story, we pick up the story in Genesis chapter 32, which is where I hope that you're at tonight. 
from the time that Jacob left to Genesis chapter 32, <laughs> 20 years have passed. 20 years have passed, and I'm grateful that God did not give up on Jacob because God had a plan for his life. But Jacob had a problem, maybe more than one. Jacob needed to surrender. I want to show you that in the Scripture. It's interesting to me that God wanted to bless Jacob's life, but before God could bless Jacob's life, He had to break him. In our text in Hebrews where he's leaning upon the top of his staff, it is a result of him being broken. We find that in Genesis chapter 32. The Bible talks about us being broken and how that we should be broken, how that this matter of surrender is important. Psalm 34, verse 18, the Bible says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Psalm 51, verse 17, the Bible says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, wilt thou not despise. So by the time we get to Genesis chapter number 32, Jacob has sent a messenger to his brother Esau, who 20 years earlier wanted to kill him. And he sends this message because Jacob is now returning to his homeland. And he sends this message, and as he sends this message in the first part of Genesis chapter number 32, um, he sends gifts. He's trying to make amends. And when the messengers come back and tell Jacob what they find, Jacob, the Bible says, is greatly afraid. Because when the messengers returned... The messenger said to Jacob, he's coming and he's got 400 men with him. We read this in Genesis chapter 32. For the sake of time, I'll let you read that on your own. He knows now that his brother Esau is coming. He knows now that, that his brother Esau is coming and now his brother Esau, he's got 400 men with him. I don't think that that's a greeting party. Amen. And when we pick up the story in Genesis chapter 32 and verse 22, look there. Once again, Jacob knows Esau is coming. The Bible says, and he rose up that night and took his two wives and his two women servants and his 11 sons and passed over the ford Jabbok, and took them, and sent them away over the brook, and sent over that he had. Verse 24, the first part of that, the Bible says, And Jacob was left alone. I want you to see some things that we can apply to our lives in the next few minutes that have to do with our surrender. If we're not surrendered to the Lord, then we'll not understand 
this matter of the ways that God has enabled us to give our time, our talent, and our treasure. We must be surrendered. Let me give you three things quickly that Jacob did. Number one, I want you to see that he reflects on his life. We see the picture here in Genesis chapter number 32. The Bible says in verse 22, and we just read the verses, that he arose that night, he took his wives and all that he had, and he sent them over. And when he sent them over to the other side, the Bible says that he was left alone by himself. I can see Jacob in the night as he's sitting there. And he begins to reflect on the last 20 years. And he might say, and he knows his brother is coming. And he says to himself, I wonder what my life has been these last 20 years. Oh, the mistakes. <laughs> you with me? Oh, the errors. Oh, the indiscretions. And he reflects, he begins to reflect on his life. Did you know this? If we're going to be surrendered, then there are times in our life when we must pause and reflect on our life. Am I really living my life to please Him? Am I really living my life to bring honor and glory to Him? And there are times in our life when, when we must pause and we must reflect on our life. And that's what Jacob begins to do. He knows Esau is coming. He is, uh, he is listening for the 400 horsemen. You know that 400 horsemen just can't sneak up. You can hear them coming. And as he's sitting there and as he's listening, he's, he's listening for those 400 horsemen. He remembers the last 20 years and, and the lies and how he's taken advantage and how he can't run anymore. Watch now. And he comes to the end of himself. And that's where God wants him. God wants him. <clears throat> God wants him at the end of himself. I think I stripped a gear. <clears throat> God wants him at the end of himself. Why? Because God wants to do something with his life. But did you know this? that God wants us at the end of ourself too. So that He can do what He wants to do in our life. We must, we must come to the end of ourself. And that's where God wants us. In Luke 15 and verse number 17, the Bible says that when the prodigal son, when he came to himself, so he reflects on his life. That's what Jacob does. Watch now. 
The second thing that I want you to see is after he reflects on his life, <clears throat> he wrestles with God. And I want you to see the verse, look there, in verse number 24, And Jacob was left alone, and wrestled there a man with him until the breaking of the day. You say, Pastor, how do you know it was God? <clears throat> I believe that this was a pre-incarnate of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I believe that's what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches, Jacob said, I have seen God face to face. Commentator Matthew Henry said this, it was God he was wrestling with. Now get the picture here. Here is Jacob. He's sitting by himself. He is alone. He has sent his family away. And the Bible says that he wrestled there uh, a man with him. So when you get that picture, get this picture as you're trying to picture that thing in your mind. A pre-incarnate of the Lord Jesus Christ, the angel of the Lord, just did not come out and say, Hey, Jacob, you want to wrestle? You want to wrestle? That's not what happened. This was a full-on, coming-out-of-nowhere, hand-to-hand combat. It was a surprise. Now, I don't know, Jacob may, at first, maybe Jacob thought that it was his brother Esau that had snuck up on him, but he soon, but he soon learns that he is in a battle, that he is in a, a, a wrestling match with the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> you see, Jacob's problem was never with Esau. It was with God. Right? And the problems that we have in our life that cause us not to surrender, they're not with the people that we think that they are. They may be with the Lord. Does that make sense? Watch now. I've got five minutes. I want you to get this truth. The Bible says, in verse, we're talking about surrender. The Bible says, and Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. I have four children. I have three sons that are, that are adults and gone on their way and, and grateful for my sons. When my sons were small, I taught them how to, how to fish and how to clean fish. And then, when they, uh, and then when they learned how to fish, then I stopped fishing. And then when I taught them how to clean fish, I stopped cleaning fish. And now they do it. Amen. And I eat it. Amen. I have three boys. I always wanted my boys to grow up to be, to be men. You know, raising a girl is different. They cost more, girls do. <laughs> the boys, if the boys wanted something and they said, Dad, can I have the money to do this? My response was, get your carcass in the backyard and get you a lawnmower and go cut you some grass and make you some money. And my boys have never had a problem holding a job. I raised them to be men. So if they fall down, I'd kick them in the seat of the pants, tell them to go on. But when she falls down, it's like, oh, baby. 
And when she says, Dad, I need some money, I don't say go out and get you a job. I say, how much? And she's learned that over the years. I'm stone broke, man. I ain't got no money left. When the boys were smaller, get this truth. And I'm going to close. I'm not done, but I'm going to close. When the boys were smaller, we would get in the backyard or in the living room, and we would, we would get on the ground or on the floor, and we would wrestle. And uh, there were times that we would wrestle, and, well, all the time I beat them. We stopped, well, we stopped wrestling then. <laughs> But think about this for a minute, and I'm going to prove a point here in a minute from Jacob's life. With my boys, I wrestled with them. Think with me now. If I'm at home and somebody breaks into my house, I shoot them, I mean, you know. <laughs> but let's say that I don't have any guns. But that's another sermon. Because <laughs> we could talk about that a long time. <laughs> but let's say I don't have any guns. And let's say there's somebody in, in the house. And we go into hand-to-hand -hand combat. <laughs> Get this truth. I'm not wrestling with them. I'm wrestling against them. I'm trying to defeat them. The angel of the Lord here is not trying to defeat Jacob. He's not wrestling against him. That's not what the verse says. The verse says he's wrestling with him. The intention is not to defeat Jacob. The purpose is to make him stronger. The purpose is not that he would be, it's not that Jacob would be killed. The purpose is that he would be broken so that he could, so that God could accomplish all that God wants to accomplish in his life. That's why the Bible says that he wrestled with him and not against him. And in my life and in your life, in this matter of surrender, what happens is oftentimes when God wrestles with us to try and mold us and try and make us into what He wants us to be and, and to go through those circumstances of life and to be drawn near to Him instead of away from Him while He's wrestling with us, we're wrestling against Him. It's a matter of surrender. You say, Pastor, what is that? Well, there's a lot here. Maybe we'll pick this up later in the week. You say, you say, Pastor, what does that what does that have to do with missions? 
until our heart is surrendered, we'll not be able to accomplish the things that God wants us to accomplish because our life isn't surrendered. We must have a surrendered heart. Maybe you're here tonight, and maybe the Lord is dealing with you about going to the mission field. And you say, Pastor, I, I just, I don't know, I don't know what to do. <laughs> just wave the white flag. Surrender. Surrender. In this matter of our life, we must be surrendered for God to accomplish all that He can accomplish through us. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.